It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Tuesday, October 24th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Mountain lions are one of the state's largest native predators, but have you ever wondered just how many of them live here? The California Report brings us the news of a recently discovered estimate, as well as potential causes and solutions for what it means. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks gross domestic product data with retired federal economist Gary Zimmerman in this week's installment of The Economic Report. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez at NPR West in Culver City. More than two dozen Stanford students are on the fourth day of a sit-in to demand university support for Palestinians. KQED's Sarah Hosseini reports. It started with one student and a lone tent erected in the free speech zone known as White Plaza on Friday as the siege on Gaza intensified. One by one, other students joined in, staying overnight and sitting between classes. They want the school to call for a ceasefire in Gaza, divest from Israel, and provide resources to Palestinian students. Undergrad Alicia Magaliage Service says she'll stay as long as it takes. An institution like Stanford has so many resources, has a lot of power in like eyes of the American people. And yeah, I just don't think we should be involved in fueling any kind of war machine. Stanford has not responded to a request for comment. That was KQED reporter Sarah Hosseini. Last week, Governor Gavin Newsom authorized $30 million in new spending to increase security and police protection at mosques, synagogues, and other houses of worship. It's an example of how war in the Middle East has increased fears about safety within California's Jewish and Muslim communities. So what's that anxiety like at one house of worship? To find out, we reached out to Dr. Alex Leachman, a physician and president of the board at Congregation B'nai David in Visalia. It's a synagogue in a part of California with a tiny Jewish population, and that makes people there feel especially vulnerable. I started by asking Leachman how his congregation is feeling right now. You know, certainly we feel scared. This has left us shaken. We are increasing the security on our campus, including fencing, internet, cameras, guards, when when we have congregants on campus, we're going to keep our heads low this time and see what happens. You reference keeping your heads low. What does that mean? Um, we're going to continue to do you know what we do within our communities, Friday night services, holiday celebrations, those kinds of things, but. We're locking doors and we're locking our gates instead of keeping things open. And, and um, we're, we're just going to, like I said, lay low, not, not publicize, not provide events out into the public. And can I assume that you feel vulnerable in a way that maybe larger Jewish communities in California, like in L.A. or the Bay Area, don't? Do I have that right? I think everyone is a little on edge, and as, as they have rights to be. Um, but there are so many more targets in the L.A. and, and Bay areas, you know, that each individual one potentially might be less, whereas we're really it. Uh, there isn't another Jewish target, if you would. And so I, I think there's a certain vulnerability with that, and there's a certain sense of fear, I think, that goes with that. And as you look at the bloodshed happening thousands of miles away in Israel and Gaza, do you have any thoughts you want to share? We weep for the innocents on both sides. Um, it's, it's, 
the human tragedy of this is um, so enormous and unfortunately will only continue to grow. You know, we're all thinking about the people who have lost their lives and, and we'd obviously like this to end as quickly as possible. And, and that's really where our prayers are now, I think, is is that out of this disaster can hopefully come something brings us closer to a peaceful solution. All right. We have been talking to Dr. Alex Leachman, president of Congregation B'nai David in Visalia. Doctor, thanks for joining us on the California Report. You're very welcome, Saul. I appreciate the opportunity. The Fresno Teachers Association will announce the results of a strike vote. Teachers have been at odds with the district over a number of issues, including pay, reducing class sizes, and health care. Manuel Bonilla is the president of the Fresno Teachers Association. He spoke with ABC 30 in Fresno. If our uh, educators have authorized a strike, there will be a determination as to a date. The state's third largest school district has been preparing for weeks for the possibility that teachers could walk out. District spokesperson Nikki Henry tells ABC 30 both sides are still willing to talk to try to come to a deal. It's a very complex issue with a lot of different areas that we need to take into consideration. Number one, cost um, when it comes to salaries, but also cost when it comes to facilities. Fresno Unified says it's already prepared for a strike with more than 2,000 substitute teachers on standby. And have you ever wondered just how many mountain lions live in California? Well, researchers now have an estimate. In Sacramento, Cap Radio's Manola Sakaida has more. The last time researchers guessed at the state's mountain lion population was in the 80s. Now, decades later, new research tells us there's about 4,500 mountain lions in California. Justin Dellinger is a large carnivore biologist who led this research. He says this estimate helps researchers understand the health of mountain lions overall. Ideally, this serves as a baseline and say every five to 10 years, you update it so that you can look at things like the trend in the population. Is it stable? Is it increasing, decreasing? He says one area of concern for researchers involves mountain lions in Southern California. Roads and other human structures have limited their ability to roam and caused inbreeding, which could eventually lead to a decline in their numbers. But Dellinger says his research suggests there hasn't been a steep population decline in the area just yet. We still need to actively be working to restore connectivity in Southern California right now. But the densities and survival rates and things like that are showing us that they do have some time. He says it's important to add structures like wildlife bridges to major roads so mountain lions and other animals can cross safely. For The California Report, I'm Anola Sakaida in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. And 
that, listeners, is the California Report for Tuesday, October 24th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. And remember, we also have a daily podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also ask your smart device to play the show. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez, at NPR West in Culver City today. Thanks for listening. In regional news... According to UBANET, United Way of Nevada County will be holding its annual collection drive for warm coats, hats, gloves, and socks starting on November 1st. It's a drive that works to provide members of our community with items that can help them stay warm this winter. The majority of those in need are families with children who are just struggling to get by. The clothes that are donated will be given out to organizations that work directly with clients in need of warm clothing and to local residents at the United Way of Nevada County offices directly. That'll happen on Friday, November 17th, December 8th, and December 22nd. From November 1st through December 15th, new and slightly used warm coats, hats, gloves, and socks can be dropped off at the following locations. BNC Ace Home and Garden Center, Coldwell Banker, Grassroots Realty, Grass Valley Training Zone, Hills Flat Lumber, Law Office of Bow Mayfield, all six Nevada County government offices, True Value Hardware in Penn Valley, Sierra Nevada Children's Services, South Yuba Club, both SPD Markets, Telestream, Tri-Counties Bank, and West America Bank. If you're interested in finding out more about Project Warmth, you can call 530-274-8111 or visit uwnc.org. The newest addition to the Penn Valley Fire Protection District's safety vehicle fleet will be on display at the Penn Valley Fire Department Auxiliary Thrift Shop throughout this week. The ambulance, which was purchased by the auxiliary, will go into service in the coming weeks. Penn Valley Fire Chief Don Wagner approached the auxiliary in August, requesting funding necessary to secure the Type 1 ambulance. It's a special vehicle that's fully equipped with advanced life support transport capabilities that simply aren't available on current Penn Valley ambulances. Emergency Medical Services Coordinator Captain Clayton Thomas says that, quote, one key addition is a powered loading system that literally lifts the gurney into the vehicle. This $25,000 feature would result in less physical stress and potential for injury to firefighter paramedics. Upon the request, the auxiliary immediately purchased the vehicle and it arrived from New Jersey on September 3rd. Today, it was gifted to Penn Valley Fire and it's currently ready to serve Penn Valley and Rough and Ready residents. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 48. Wednesday, showers likely mainly after 2 p.m., mostly cloudy with a steady temperature around 52. Chance of precipitation is 60%, new precipitation amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch possible. Wednesday night, showers likely mainly before midnight, mostly cloudy with a low around 37. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 40. Wednesday, scattered showers after noon, snow level 7,500 feet, lowering to 6,800 feet in the afternoon. Mostly sunny with a high near 48. Wednesday night, rain showers before 9 p.m., then rain and snow showers between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m., then scattered snow showers after 3 a.m., low around 19 degrees. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly clear with a low around 52. Wednesday, a 30% chance of showers, mainly after 4 p.m., with a high near 66. Wednesday night, a 20% chance of showers before 11 p.m., Cloudy during the early evening, then gradually clearing with a low around 46. 
You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. In this week's economic report, Gary Zimmerman joins KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza to talk about what we might expect from the third quarter gross domestic product data that's scheduled to be released on October 26th. The two also discuss the potential risks facing the economy in the coming year. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kalb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983, on Spring Street in Nevada City. Rick, K-A-L-B, It's Tuesday, which means that here at the KVMR Evening News, it's time for the economic report with Gary Zimmerman. Gary is a retired Fed economist, and I'm very happy to be speaking with him now. Hi, Gary. Hi, Claudio. Gary, there's a lot going on. We're going to get right into it. I guess, let me ask, is there any economic news that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Maybe we could start with what you expect from the new GDP data that's going to be reported later this week? Well, Claudio, that's an excellent place to start. It looks like the first estimate of the third quarter annualized real GDP growth rate will be very strong. Uh, GDP or gross domestic product is the broad measure of the total output of goods and services for the economy that's measured over a quarter or or over a year. Um, Real GDP is adjusted to exclude the effects of inflation and it's usually it's calculated at an annualized rate of growth so that we can easily compare growth rates for different time periods. Based on the very recent estimates, um, I expect that this Thursday we should expect to see the Bureau of Economic Analysis report a growth rate for real inflation-adjusted GDP at somewhere around 4 to 5% at an annual rate for the third quarter. That's fast. Explain that part to me. How fast is 4 to 5% GDP, and what, what's an average rate of growth for GDP look like? Okay. Well, in September, most of the Fed policymakers were projecting a longer run growth rate for the economy, um, real GDP. It's somewhere in the range of close to 2%, maybe a little bit below 2%. So um, at an annual rate. And, you know, while that's a long run average rate of growth, there can be considerable quarter to quarter differences in growth rates. And we've seen that recently. Um, But real output growth for the quarter at around 4 to 5% annual rate is more than double the average rate of increase. So, you know, that expected 4 to 5% growth rate is rapid, and it's likely to show strength in many sectors of the economy, including labor markets, industrial production, consumer spending, um, for the gold country, um, travel and tourism is, is doing well, too. Uh, have other measures of the economy for the third quarter of 2023 shown, you know, such robust strength as the real GDP? Oh, yes. Um, We discussed a couple of weeks ago, the labor markets uh, were very strong in the third quarter. So let's start with new jobs. The non-farm payroll economy added about 800,000 new jobs in the three months of the quarter. That is well above the average um, increase for new non-farm payroll jobs that you would get in a typical quarter of an economic expansion. So that's certainly strong. And if we look next at the unemployment rates, they usually spike during a recession, get higher. Uh, The headline unemployment rate in September was at 3.8% of the civilian labor force. That's near a historic low. 
Um, and with tight labor markets and millions of job openings reported, the uh, you know headline unemployment rate still remains below the four to five, four to four point five percent unemployment rate that many economists consider to be full employment for the economy. And in addition, there's a broader measure of unemployment, what's commonly called the underemployment rate. It's at 7%, which is also very low by historic standards. So it isn't surprising that the third quarter GDP growth should still be very strong when the labor markets are still adding jobs and um, consumers have money to spend and and are spending it. Gary, do you expect this kind of rapid growth in the economy or, or GDP to continue into 2024? Well, Claudia, to answer that, let me refer to some of the recent economic forecasts I've seen in you know in the news, and and look at the Fed Fed's policymakers September um, 2023 projections. So most forecasts are expecting the economy, you know, measured again by real GDP or output growth, to continue to expand in the fourth quarter, but at more like an average annual growth rate, um, probably closer to two percent. So nowhere near the strong you know, likely four to five percent growth rate we're likely to see this week when the third quarter number is reported. You know, the good news is the economy is still growing. Consider that a year ago, many, probably about half of the economic forecasts were expecting the economy would actually be shrinking or falling into a recession in 2023. And that clearly has not happened at least so far. Uh, but, you know, the economy also could still face some big shocks in the month ahead. There's a lot, lot of stuff going on right now that that adds uncertainty. Okay, Gary, let's talk about that. What are some of the risks facing the economy and challenging forecasters in the remainder of the year and going into the next? <laughs> I, I think Mark Twain once said, forecasting is very difficult, uh, particularly with respect to the future. Might have <laughs> even said that next door at the Nevada Theater. Uh, <laughs> So, yes, there are significant risks. You know, there are two wars going on that could negatively shock the global economy and potentially cause a spike in energy prices. The federal government could shut down soon. Um, U.S. Treasury debt, the global economy's risk-free financial asset could face another default threat, you know, threatening a a disastrous global financial crisis. you know, the domestic economy faces risks too. Um, higher interest rates, for example. Mortgage rates were around 8% the other day, and, you know, that's clearly hurt the housing market. Post-COVID, the office and real retail real estate markets have been slumping and vacancies are high. Um, and that can impact lenders' asset or loan quality as well. And so an- another concern. Um, and then, you know, in that, an example of that would be that we are seeing some increases in past due loan ratios for the higher risk or subprime auto loans. Um, so, you know, that could be a warning sign of you know, potential financial distress. So, um, you know, there are financial market risks, too. And then there are the question about rising inflation expectations or another risk. So, yeah, lots going on. Um, Gary, last question. What happens if the economy doesn't slow down and inflation starts to climb again? Okay, Claudio. Boy, just like Paul Emery, uh, you saved the toughest question for last. (laughs) (laughs) What if the economy just keeps on growing rapidly despite the Fed's efforts since March 2022 to slow the economy and the labor markets primarily by using the Fed's main monetary policy tool, that is raising short-term interest rates, um, in an effort to slow the economy and lower the inflation rate 
towards or eventually to the Fed's 2% annual inflation rate goal. And they're, you know, right now they're looking at that, you know, probably happening in 2025, 2026. So, you know, the good news is the economy is still growing despite the higher interest rates and the economy hasn't fallen into a recession where the economy contracts and jobs are lost and the unemployment rate surges upwards. But the bad news is if the economy continues to grow too rapidly, then the inflation rate will likely start rising again. So um, if growth is too fast, I'd expect one of the first things that will happen is we'll see the financial markets and surveys of inflation expectations by businesses and consumers will start rising um, as concern as they have concerns about the Fed's progress in bringing inflation down from around 9% in 2022 to maybe three, three and a half. Uh, three to five percent today. Um, you know, if that progress stops and the inflation rates start increasing again, then you know interest rates will start climbing um, as in- inflation expectations rise. So that is a that is a big concern. And of course, rising inflation expectations would cause a rapid, significant U-turn in Fed policy. Instead of debating about one more interest rate increase or not this year and, and when to lower interest rates as inflation falls towards the Fed's you know, 2% inflation goal over the next couple of years, the Fed would likely start raising short-term interest rates again to, to slow the economy more and to lower the inflation rate again. Um, so this is a valid concern and a major challenge for Fed policymakers, too. I think that's the reason why Fed Chairman Powell left the door open for more rate increases um, if inflation doesn't continue slowing in his public comments last week. Um, that being said, you know, you know, so far the signs look good, but there are lots of risks ahead. All right, Gary. Well, lots to think about, lots to chew on. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to Thursday to see what those numbers actually are. Gary, thanks so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Thank thank you, Claudia. Appreciate the opportunity. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and is currently a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria. He teaches courses in economics and finance. That's our newscast for this Tuesday, October 24th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and The Hot Tub Store by Sierra Timberline. Newly expanded showroom continuing to offer energy-efficient, therapeutic hot tubs for Foothills lifestyle. Open seven days a week in the Home Center, 342 Idaho Maryland Road in Grass Valley. SierraTimberline.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.